Welcome back to the podcast, Growth and Jams fans. My name is Saul, and I'm your host here again today. I'm sitting down with Taylor Garcia. We talked about a lot of things, including faith, discernment, mental health, and of course, music. I hope you all enjoy the show today. Why don't we get started, Taylor, by, I guess, telling the people a little bit about how we know each other, a little bit about yourself as well. I think that's very important. Yeah. Okay. So hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Taylor Garcia. I am a junior at UT in Austin. I study speech, language, and hearing sciences with a minor in English. And Saul and I actually met in John 15. We were group leaders together along with Tuyan. And it was the best. It was the best experience just like getting to meet freshmen, get to know them, kind of walk with them as they're transitioning into college. And yeah, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> I would just like to tell the people that it's been a blessing to know you. And I'm so glad that I met you in the time period that I did in college. I think it would have been great to have met you sooner, but I'm glad that we're still able to keep in touch and continue to lead you know, younger students in the way that we do through various other extracurricular activities at church. Other than that, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of who you are. I think you're one of the, I don't want to say most holy people I know, but I think you definitely strive in your faith life in a way that most people do not at our age. And it's really admirable. I think a lot of people look up to you in that way. And it's, it's contagious for sure to be around you. It makes you want to be better for yourself, want to be better for others as well. Transitioning into that, when was it that you sort of made faith life your own, the Catholic faith your own? That's a good question. Well, actually, before I answer, I just want to say I feel so affirmed. By <laughs> what you just said, I'm like, wow, I feel so loved. Um, so going back to your question, to kind of start out, I was a cradle Catholic. I was born and raised Catholic. I went to private school. So I was always like surrounded by my faith in some aspect. But it was never really kind of like the question says, it was never really my own. I just kind of went through the motions a lot. And so when I came into high school, I transitioned into public school, which I think was definitely a huge transition with my faith as well. Just not having that community where we're going to church together, we're praying together. And so I kind of got a little lost in that. Um, I really just kind of stopped a lot of things. I stopped going to like uh, what is it? I think it's like RCIA classes. Or, mm -hmm. I, I forgot what the title is for it, but like religious ed classes. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school when I started confirmation classes that my teacher really challenged me in a lot of ways in my faith to like think about it in new ways. And he ultimately like showed me that having a personal relationship with God was possible. And so that was when I went on a church retreat for the first time. I think a lot of people who have gone on church retreats can attest that they're very powerful, mm -hmm. uh, very moving to like hear people's stories and just have adoration, all the sacraments, everything. So yeah, I was on that retreat that I had a really radical encounter with God. I really came to know that he really wanted to know me. And I think ever since then, I've in turn wanted to get to know him more. And that's kind of just been like my life journey thus far is just like continually getting to know him deeper and letting him to know, letting him know me deeper. So yeah, I think that's kind of when I started to make it my own. Beautifully said. I think I also had a similar experience in that regard. I think for me, it was also through a retreat experience that I was able to kind of pivot in my life and realize like, 
wow, this is what I want in life and I want to chase this and I'm hungry for this. So that's beautiful. I didn't know that about you, that that's when you kind of made the pivot in your life as well and chose to take ownership over your own faith. So that's, that's great. Um, what are some of the struggles that you faced as a result of being Catholic, whether that be, you know, with friends or in your daily life in high school and you're in public school or maybe even today that you face? Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny because I think in the same sense, like I experienced similar struggles while I was in private school as when I was in public schools. So it's interesting that like the the different environments didn't really change, I guess, my experience. So just like growing up in private school, I was always known as like the super Catholic girl, which is so funny looking back. Cause I'm like, I literally didn't know what I was doing. Like I <laughs> didn't understand my faith at all. If anything, I think it was because I was like one of the few people who still went to Sunday mass because mm. unfortunately like a lot of my classmates just didn't. And so they were always like, ah, oh, Taylor, you're super Catholic. And here I was <laughs> like, I don't even know who like, God is. I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out myself. And that kind of translated over to high school when I I would like talk with people and like somehow religion would come up and they would be like, like oh shoot, you're like really Catholic because you go to Sunday mass. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't even like, I don't do anything more than that. So I don't know how that makes me super Catholic. But yeah, I think just like having that sort of standard placed on me was actually such a struggle because if anything i think it made me really prideful thinking oh then maybe i am like this really great catholic even though i my actual life didn't correlate i guess to like what a, mm -hmm. a christian life would typically look like and then also like of course with that i think calling me super catholic was also in some way shape or form kind of like a joke like oh, you're Catholic, I need to like stay away from you or like, oh, you're too holy. You don't know all like these bad things that go on, which is so not true. And so I think in that sense, it almost also separated me from my classmates and just kind of made me feel like what well, makes me so different from everyone and just kind of feeling a little loneliness in that. Then also, I think like another thing, if anything, this is probably the thing I struggled with the most growing up Catholic was kind of knowing this life that I knew God had planned for me and then this other life that everyone else around me was living. And I, I was kind of caught in this crossroads between these two things. And it was hard to kind of see the life that I wanted, the life with Christ that I wanted, and then just being surrounded by people who didn't necessarily support me in that or in those choices that would lead me to that life. And I think those two things are honestly still prevalent today. I still mm -hmm. have like family members who say that I'm super Catholic or have like crazy view of me. And then also, yeah, I definitely still struggle with choosing God in my life. Even though I have this relationship with him, it's still hard. Like I'm still tempted to like do things that I know might not be the best for me, but that give me like some sort of comfort or just things that I turn to that might not necessarily bring me closer to God. So I think those two are like probably the biggest things that I've struggled with in my faith that I still experience today. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I really like how you're able to make light of these situations and to be laughing <laughs> about them. It's great. But I think you touched on a lot of things that I think a lot of people, whether they're Catholic or not, actually experience because there's this life that you know that is best for you to live and will help you achieve your best self regardless of, you know, what your beliefs are in life. And then you have this life 
in which society is pulling you to that's kind of separate from the one that you think is best for you or that is best for you. So I think that's great that you touched on that. And something else that you touched on as well that really stuck out to me in a world that's like really hyper-focused on like cancel culture right now and really picking out like the things that people do wrong. Would you say that as a Catholic, your life is sort of more under a microscope and under scrutiny because you're expected to live up to a certain threshold of, I guess, holiness or striving for perfection that maybe your mistakes are, aren't as forgiving as someone who may not be in this faith life? Yeah, yeah I, I've actually thought about that a lot because I do think being a part of the Catholic faith, you're almost held to this higher standard than other people because they associate Catholics with like incredible holiness, which is true, but we're still people and we still mm-hmm. fail and we still mess up which I think is something really important to recognize. Like, yes, we're all trying to follow God. We're trying to be the best that we can be, but we're still going to fail every single day. Like we Mm -hmm. are not perfect people, even though we are following a perfect God. I I definitely have thought about that a lot as far as like people, I guess, wanting to like cancel you if you're, um, if you make a mistake and they're like, no, that's too wrong to try to correct. There's no going back from that. And something that I think is really beautiful in our faith is that we have this idea of mercy, which I think is so needed in our world today. In a a world that is consumed by cancel culture, it's so radical to think of mercy where you give someone a second chance, where you see like where they failed and you understand that, but you say, that is okay. I'm still going to trust you and I'm going to allow you to like make amends with that which has been so instrumental in like my own life, just seeing all the ways that I failed and almost wanting to like just abandon ship and say, oh my gosh, I'm too awful. Like I can't do this life. I can't match the standards that I have for myself. But because of this idea of mercy, I think it's actually allowed me to be very lenient, not only on myself, but on other people. Like when I wrong others or when others wrong me, I just kind of think back to that idea of mercy, of God's mercy on me. And I, I want to like give that to other people. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I think if a lot of people had that same outlook, we would be in a lot better place in this society. Something that brought to mind for me as well is that, yeah, we have this tendency specifically to want to be forgiven all the time, yet we're not really forgiving of other people. And yeah, that's hard because how can you forgive anyone else if you can't forgive yourself and vice versa? How can others forgive you if you can't forgive them? So yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing. That's incredible. And I think that's one of the things that draws me most to our faith and really allows me to connect with God on a much deeper level is just that idea of forgiveness for sure. Mercy and just second chances because we all need them. Yeah. And if anything, we like so need that because it's not just like a one and done, like, oh, I messed up on this one thing one time. It's like we usually mess up multiple times, but like the same thing, you know, like we constantly just lie or cheat or like whenever it is. So it's really like necessary to have mercy in order to amends with that continued falling, you know, that we experience. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think here would be a good place after discussing a little bit about our faith for you to kind of talk about your openness and your willingness to consider faith life and what role that plays for you in your own life as a college student and where you're heading in the future. It's actually crazy because I didn't really start actively discerning religious life until January. But this idea of discernment has just come up a lot. 
throughout the years. Um, and it's so funny because in high school, I think I had like a very slight openness to it. But you're in high school where like <laughs> everyone's starting to date and everyone um, just like trying out all these new things. And so kind of like committing or thinking of committing your life for the rest of your life to chastity, poverty, and obedience is not a popular thing in high school, <laughs> nor in life in general, honestly. But mm -hmm. I think I just was not open to it in high school in like a in the sense that I was willing to actually I guess like look into it. It was always like a thought, but I was never open to really living that out or like thinking of the possibility of living it out. And so I think when I came into college, I was really starting to grow in my faith a lot more. I was in a place where I really got to know God. I started to trust Him. And I think that's when openness to the possibility started to come up. And it wasn't until we were at SLS in mm -hmm. January, the large focus Catholic conference, where I gave a talk on discernment at our, whatever you call it, it was like the... Yeah. The I don't diocesan. know what that was, but yeah. Yeah, like something with our diocese. And I literally remember a few days before SLS, Callan called me and she was like, so we want a student to give a talk on discernment. And you came to mind. And in my <laughs> mind, I was thinking, why the heck did I come to mind? <laughs> I was like, I'm not actively discerning. I like have thought about it, but that's kind of it. And so I was like, okay, I'll think about it. Like, we'll see. And it was kind of throughout the process of preparing for that talk that I really came to see all the ways in which God had really called me very slowly and subtly to actually discern that type of life. And it was after SLS that I made the decision to go on a dating fast for a year so that I can really delve into this discernment to where I could take it seriously and see what my life in this position would look like. And so I've gone on three discernment retreats since, and all three of them have been very painful. <laughs> uh, they've been great, but painful in the sense that so many things in my heart have come up with discernment and just, I guess, just like seeing the ways in which I am scared to discern this. I am scared to be a part of religious life. Just a lot of misconceptions too with what religious life actually is has also come up and it's been really good to kind of better understand what that life actually is. And I think the biggest thing that I've really taken away from discernment is this idea that our vocations are the ways, or I guess the vocations we're called to are the ways in which our heart has, made, has been made to love, which I think is very consoling to me because I think a lot of a lot of Catholics, I would say probably cradle Catholics more so, grow up with this idea of like, oh my gosh, I don't want God to call me to be a sister or a priest. Like, please yeah. don't do that. You know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's like this fear that he's going to like make us into priests or make us into sisters against our will, which is so not the case. It could not be further from the truth. It's really like God has planted this idea and this desire in which our hearts were made to love. And our vocation, whether that be priesthood, uh, religious life, or married life, is supposed to like fit into that. And like our heart is made for that particular vocation, which again has been so consoling for me yeah. that God's not going to force me into anything that I don't like, that I don't desire. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's really brave of you. And 
admirable of you to, you know, be open to that call and to pursue that fully and give yourself and your heart the full chance it needs to decide whether or not that life is for you. And yeah, I will be praying for you. And that's incredible that you're on this journey to where you could potentially end up in a position where you are serving God in that way. So that's great. Something that I also wanted to highlight for the listeners, because maybe this is extremely foreign to you when it comes to (laughs) religious life, but we attend or attended, I should say, in college, the University Catholic Center at UT. And religious life to me was kind of something like you just mentioned, like something obscure and something like, I really hope that's not where I'm called to be. But it was weird for me to see at UT specifically in our Catholic community, how many people were pursuing that life and were called to that life and ended up accepting that call to serve in that way, where, you know, numerous people, numerous friends of ours ended up, you know, becoming priests or going on to actively pursue priesthood and same for sisterhood. And that was so foreign to me at my point in faith life that now it's so beautiful to see when people are at as young of an age as we are pursuing that fully. Yeah. If anything, I think it was also encouraging for me to like see other people my age actually pursuing this life. Cause like I said, in high school, like everyone was all about dating. And so this Mm -hmm. idea of not like dating or not pursuing a relationship with another person was so foreign. And so it's really encouraging, I think, to see a lot of young people also pursuing the idea of like being called to religious life. Yeah, 100%. I think to transition into, I think something that's really important to talk about right now, mental health. What are some of the struggles that you faced and share as much as you feel comfortable sharing with mental health? And what role has faith played in that journey for you? I'll mention a time previously and then kind of now because I think mental health is definitely a huge topic that should be talked about right now when mm-hmm. everyone's in relation and there's like this pandemic and we still have all of our responsibilities and everything. But I think uh, a previous time where I first encountered any sort of like idea of mental health, because that's just something that's not really talked about, was when I was a freshman in high school. And I was transitioning, like I said earlier, into public school from private school. I didn't have any friends going with me to public school and I was not the most outgoing person. And so it was, it very much took a toll on my mental health to be in a new environment with new workload that was a lot more rigorous than what I was used to, surrounded by a bunch of people I didn't know. And like all these expectations were kind of placed on me as now being a high schooler. And so it was just a lot of things that really built up and I usually freshman year of high school is probably the hardest year of my life just with like family things that were going on with school like socially with friends like not having friends really and so I can honestly say like my freshman year I would go home almost every single day like I'm not I'm not exaggerating it was almost every single day and I would just cry like I would cry either about feeling lonely I would cry about not feeling good enough in like the sports and extracurriculars I was involved in out of frustration for coming home and you're being like chaos. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was nothing too serious, but you know, just family things that would um, kind of like put me back in the state of instability again. And it was just a lot. And I think it wasn't until my sophomore year, like I had said earlier, when I started confirmation classes that I really kind of got pulled out of that slump and came to know that I wasn't alone because I had a God who was always there for me who experienced the same things I did, who loved me, 
regardless of how much I talked or, or like the things that I did and, and just all of these things. And I think that really gave me a very profound sense of peace and joy that thankfully has not left. And I don't know if it ever will. And so kind of going into, I guess, where I'm at now, I definitely still struggle with feelings of loneliness, being home while all my friends are in Austin, um, back at school, and I'm stuck here with my family, which that sounded a lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) I did not mean for it to sound that bad. Being home with my family, I should say. And it's been good. There have been moments where I would not trade being home for anything. Like I've been here for incredible moments, like my brother starting high school, my sister starting her first job, like her actual job, which is incredible. And also just being here for like birthdays and being here with my grandparents and just getting to see them, which I otherwise would not have been able to has been such a blessing. But I think also being removed from the community that I formed in college has definitely... I think like put a strain on my mental health as far as feeling lonely, isolated, excluded, like all these things. And and there are some days when I just get really sad about it. And I give myself a little bit of time to really like grieve that because that is something that is worth grieving over. But thankfully, it hasn't been, I would say, like a huge part of my semester, which has been nice. But of course, there's also anxiety with the virus, you know, like Mm -hmm. I... I don't know if like the friends who are in San Antonio where I'm from can see me. I don't know like what our distance can be, you know, all of these sort of like questions are like, Oh, I don't know where you've been. Maybe you've been around someone with COVID. Maybe I have like, there's a lot of anxiety I think going on right now. So if anything, I've just kind of learned how to really be a lot more gentle with myself. It is okay that I'm not doing the best at school like I'm still trying my hardest of course but like getting all hundreds is not reasonable at a time like this when I have so much more going on so I've definitely tried to be a lot more gentle with myself for sure which has actually been really important for me to learn because I'm definitely my worst critic I can definitely resonate with that less sentiment for sure I would say that I set the bar so high for myself that it's so impossible to achieve that when I don't achieve it it's like catastrophic cataclysmic and it shouldn't have to be that way it should definitely be much more forgiving of myself but thank you for sharing all of that i think it's really important to talk about mental health in this time and all the time for that matter and it's really not talked about enough but i do appreciate in this time that has been going on with covid and the pandemic that it seems to be emphasized a lot it needs to be emphasized this much all the time but yeah i think that's great that you're able to be more gentle with yourself be more forgiving, be more lenient. And I'm sure that's been hugely positive in your life and has helped you in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think this would be the perfect place to transition into, on a lighthearted note, your favorite three praise and worship songs. Folks, if you don't like praise and worship, I do not care because these songs are going (laughs) to slap and they're going to make you feel so good inside. I would say my favorite worship songs usually like fluctuate like it kind of just depends on where i'm at but at this point in my life my top three are back to life by sarah quintanilla who actually is a friend of a friend who's from san antonio but i just heard it so beautiful 10 out of 10 would recommend it 
And then Cripple Me by Ellen Owen. That song just makes me want to cry every time. <laughs> and then Adonai by Chris Renzima. That song is just the best. I love it. I feel like yours are so unique and so like <laughs> not super cliche and mine are probably going to be the total opposite. But thank you for sharing. And no, that's okay. It's a good mix. Yeah. All right. Mine's coming in with Oh Come to the Altar by Elevation Worship. Boy, the amount of times I've heard that song in adoration and just straight up started crying. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Songs that have that impact on you are just, they're one of a kind. Yep. After that, it's got to be It Is Well, specifically by Bethel Music and Christine DeMarco. That song just always slaps. Yep. Always. Because <laughs> It Is Well. And then my last one, I kind of fluctuate on this one as well. I would say that for me, though, it has to be probably Reckless Love by Coy, Corey Asbury. <laughs> Goodness, I'm having a hard time talking today. But yeah, these songs have all in some way or another been super meaningful and have these very specific vivid memories attached to them of when I encountered Jesus and when I encountered God. And they happened at very specific points in my life that I remember being very far away from God and then returning and being so close to him. So they carry a huge significance to me. And I think music that has that impact on you, whether or not it's praise and worship or some other kind of music, mm -hmm. is so important because music really is a form of expression that is kind of, I would say, you know, minimized and put to the side because it's artistic. But I think it's a form of language that is hugely impactful and important and cuts across, you know, time, space, generations, language, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was like, I don't know if it's a saint who says this or if it's just like a thing that's spoken about in like our, our church or something. But I've heard the phrase that music or like singing is the same thing as like praying three times or something. It's like so powerful and it carries such beauty. And I think like a very much like intimacy uh, mm -hmm. with it. It just like yeah. speaks from the soul in a way like our words just can't which is funny because it's also words it's just yeah. like being sung 100 percent, i agree with that it doesn't make much sense when you think about it because they're just words but they definitely the emotion speaks so much so i think to wrap this up i just want to say thank you so much taylor for everything that you've shared today for being a part of this podcast for being such a great friend a sister in christ and it really means a lot to me that you're willing to share all that you have and your life, your lifestyle, all you have to offer is very admirable and it's contagious. Oh, thanks, Saul. It's such a gift to just be your friend and know you because you're just like so incredible. And I feel like you've also very much impacted like my faith life and made me want to pursue God even more so, which is so beautiful. Like I love that that we can do that as friends, you know. One hundred percent. You're gonna make me tear up. But Aww. thank you so <laughs> thank you so much, Taylor, and yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.